This is the Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman CPA. That would be me. Uh, I am a dental-specific CPA. I have been a dental-specific CPA for now over 35 years, and I'm a proud member of the National Academy of Dental CPAs, which is 24 CPA firms all over the United States, pretty much in every corner of the country, Uh, and we represent well over 9,000 dentists. And uh, as I told you, we're, you're going to meet my friends as we go along here. And one of my friends I've known for a long time uh, is a gentleman by the name of Rich Walton. And Rich is a specialist in insurance. Now, when you think about insurance, folks, you think about life insurance and you think about disability insurance. Well, we're not going to be talking about life or disability insurance today. There are lots of other insurances that a dental practice needs to protect themselves against all kinds of threats. Uh, the primary one we're going to talk about today is malpractice insurance, and uh, Rich's company in Southern California uh, represents well over 1,500 dentists uh, in the malpractice arena, and we're going to talk about everything you need to know about malpractice, what happens if you have to file a claim, what's the right thing to do, what's the wrong thing to do. We're going to talk about workers' comp. We're going to talk about uh, employee liability insurance. Uh, which is a big deal these days. So we'll get to Rich in a moment. Let me give you a little bit of information, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and again, thank you so much. We we are just getting people every week calling. We've heard the podcast. I had, actually had one of actually one of uh, one of our clients call today, and he sent a picture of his of his um, um, of his treadmill, and he says, "Art, I'm doing a 60 minute treadmill, and you're getting me through that." Now I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's kind of what's going on. We get you know we're, we have a grassroots movement and. Hundreds and hundreds of people are, are listening and joining us every week. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me at my office in Southern California, I'm in the city of Tustin, uh, call me at 714-259-0505. If you are uh, wanting to email me, email me at g- artweederman at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to uh, look up all the prior podcasts. We're coming up on a year here. It's been a great journey. I've had so much fun doing this and so much fun engaging with lots of wonderful people. Um, go on to our website, which is www.hmwccpa.com. Go to the resources link and then click on podcasts and you will see all of our podcasts. We've recorded over 40 of them. Uh, and you can download them. And that's, again, the great thing about podcasts is they're not live and you can listen to them anytime you want. And if you're looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States of America, I'm in Southern California. Again, I'm north of San Diego. We have a great member of firm in San Diego. Go to www.adcpa.org. You will not be sorry. Dental CPAs bring so much more to the table and uh, they help you grow your business and save taxes and save for retirement and uh, help you in, improve the quality of your life because that's what we, we do at the ADCPA. So I'm going to give you a tax tip today, and it is called a backdoor IRA. Now, I'm a big sports fan, and uh, backdoor is a play in basketball where someone sets a pick and 
Uh, the guy with the ball bounces it to someone and they go in for a score. That's not what we're talking about today. Uh, I used to teach that uh, to the little kids when I was an NJB basketball coach. Uh, my son reminds me uh, my three-year record was four wins and 24 losses with a perfect 0-12 and 12 season. So uh, I wasn't winning any coaching awards, but uh, we, we did run that play every once in a while. But what we're talking today is, about is a backdoor Roth IRA. So uh, those of you who have contributed to individual retirement accounts know that the maximum for 2019, the maximum that you can contribute is $6,000 per person, and you can put in another 1000 if you're over the age of 50. Well, the problem is, is that if you make over $203,000 in what's called modified adjusted gross income, uh, you can't put money into a Roth IRA which is an IRA that you can contribute after-tax money with, and it grows tax-free forever. But if your income is 203000 for a single, and I think it's 137, uh, I'm sorry, 203000 for a married couple, 137 for a thousand for a single individual, you can't do a Roth IRA. So what the government has allowed you to do is you can contribute to a non-deductible IRA. That's an IRA that you do with after-tax dollars, and anybody can do that. The difference between a Roth and a non-deductible IRA is that a Roth, basically all the money is tax-free forever when you start to pull it out, whereas with a non-deductible IRA, the money you put in, the 6000 a year or the 7000 a year, is um, is not tax deductible. So when it comes out, it's tax, it's tax free, but the earnings are taxable when they come out. So what you can do with a backdoor Roth, if you can't do a regular IRA, you might have a pension plan and you're not allowed to do that in your dental practice or you have a, uh, your income is too high. What you do is you make a contribution to a non deductible IRA and anybody can do that. I've done it for years with my wife and we put away, you know, the maximum amount every year. And then you got to make sure, folks, very important if you're going to do this, that you don't have any traditional IRA money in your IRA. So you've got to have either nothing in your IRAs or all non-deductible contributions. If you have one of those two scenarios, what you do is, let's assume you have no IRAs. You take $7,000 for you, $7,000 for your spouse. One of you has to have earned income. You take the money, you put it into the IRA, uh, the non-deductible, and you immediately, as my late mother used to say, immediately, if not sooner, you, you convert that to a Roth IRA. That's called a backdoor Roth IRA. You cannot, I repeat, cannot. Well, you can, but it's going to cost you money. Be very careful. If you have $200,000 in your IRA and that all comes from deductible contributions you've made over the years, then when you do that conversion, a large part of that will be taxable. And if you have any questions about this, um, call my office, 714-259-0505. You might have been putting uh, non-deductible Roth IRAs away for 10, 15 years. Maybe you've got the 150000 You can, If that's all you've got is non-deductible contributions, you can convert the whole thing in one shot to a Roth and never pay tax on it. So that's my tip of the day. All right, let's get to our guest, uh, Rich Walton. I've known for many, many years. Uh, Rich has been in the dental, uh, the dental industry and in the insurance business uh, for about 15 years, I believe it is. And again, he specializes in working with dentists on uh, malpractice insurance, workers' compensation insurance, 
uh, and all the different insurances. And uh, there's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. So we're going to talk to Rich today about all of that. So Rich Walton, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance. Hi, Art. How are you doing? And thank I'm you for having me. I'm doing great. And Rich is from uh, Rich is with the with Michael's Insurance uh, Agency in uh, in Downey, which is uh, I think that's kind of halfway between Orange County and Los. It's actually in Los Angeles County, isn't it? Yeah, we're pretty closely border uh, Orange County line. Yeah, so we're I, right just just north of Long Beach, about. 10 miles. Okay, that sounds good. And Rich is an expert in all this, and he's going to teach you a lot today. Uh, but first, Rich, tell us a little bit about your journey. Where did you uh, start, and uh, how did you get to uh, get involved with dental malpractice insurance? Well, um, as far as I didn't get into insurance right away, I started in another industry and have been in kind of like the supply chain management and distribution, but always in, in sales. In the last latter part of it, I dealt in the healthcare industry called on. Um, Kaiser Permanente, Hogue Hospital, Long Beach Memorial Care. But my, my attraction to the insurance was the fact that my father, Michael, uh, Michael Walton, who started this agency back in 1982. Prior to that, he was a, an Allstate agent. And uh, he started this independent agency, and we represent a total of about 65, 70 companies. Um, uh, and, I, and so when I started with, with, with the agency in 2004, uh, and kind of analyze it. I, I looked at, you know, we had, we did a lot of auto and home and business, a lot of small business, and we're now, you know, third generation agency. And what, what I looked at at the time was, you know, a lot of our different businesses were changing ownerships. Uh, you know, they were a lot of times retail storefronts and I didn't see the, you know, the long, longevity uh, of, a, of a policy holder with those types of businesses. And I was kind of looking at what out there, what kind of market should we really go into? And dental was one that I saw that um, the dentist is one who puts their name, hangs that shingle, puts their name on the door. And, and they're, they're the ones who are investing. You see them usually, you know, throughout their careers, whatever, 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, we have some doctors that I've insured up until their 80s, still practicing dentistry. So yep. that that was attractive to me, and it's, it's been very good for us. Well, that, that that's great, Rich. And I know you and I have talked many times, and you you certainly know your stuff. I, I only bring the best onto this podcast, and you 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 qualify as the best. Um, right now, you're the only one on the phone, so I guess you're going to have to qualify as the best. That's just kind of how it works. So, <laughs> so I know that there's lots of choices out there as far as uh, companies to buy your malpractice insurance because, like like any other insurance agent, you know, um, Rich's company is not they you know they write the the policy, but they're not the insurance company. So uh, there are what I think you told me what sixty seventy different choices. Um, how does that work? How do you represent more than one company? Do you pick from different companies when a client comes to you? How does that work? Well, maybe for clarity, um, on the malpractice side, there has been you know tens of uh, dozens and dozens over the years, maybe a hundred different companies that have gotten into the dental malpractice, but there's in actuality uh, today. And there's only a handful of companies that are available. Okay. But with respect to other, the other companies, like when it comes to offering workers comp business insurance, those type of products. Yeah, there are 60, 70, hundred different companies across the United States. Uh, we, we have, we have appointment direct appointments with all the major players and alliances um, with with the others, and we're able to 
you know, directly right through 65 plus companies. And then, then each of them have their, their niches, especially is what they like to call as appetite and what they like to ensure. And then it's the job of the independent broker to, to define uh, and understand the differences and uh, which players will be a best match. But in my malpractice arena, that's a very narrow, that is a, somewhat of a narrow focus, but there's an, only a narrow, a very narrow offering of, of companies out there. Okay. So, and, and, and obviously we, I think we know the answer to this question, but maybe expand a little bit is, uh, I've never met a dentist uh, who who does not have malpractice. I, I don't. Are there dentists out there who practice without malpractice insurance, Rich? Well, I have run into a few. Either they um, a few. I've only come, uh, come across a couple that believe they didn't really need it, didn't want to spend it. Some have run into some trouble where they um, maybe lost the coverage because of claims they had prior. Um, or they, ah. or very simply, maybe neglected to pay the bill. Uh, they might have been out of the country on, on a trip, um, just didn't realize. And, and the most common thing is um, when they get that credentialing letter from the from one of the providers, like Delta Dental or 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 a Blue Shield, asking for their proof of coverage, then they discover that hey, they can't prove it. And so that that it does happen. It does happen more but, often. But not it. usually. So, I mean, obviously, right. give us some basic reasons why it's important to have malpractice insurance. Well, you know, uh, the average claim is about $68,000 uh, the payment that could be paid out to a patient if it goes to court and it's a bad outcome. So, I don't think that most dentists can actually afford that. And that's not to count in the cost factor of, of uh, defense. And so, um, you know, not having that, that coverage that will protect you, and then if it expands into a, a licensing issue with the board, uh, can put, put a dentist in a really bad place. And back to what I originally said, it really comes down to your, your, the reputation um, that, uh, of that doctor. And, and of all the insurances that we offer, malpractice is the only one that directly affects the person it's insuring. Whereas if you have, uh, you know, a, a, a business owner's policy and you suffer a fire or a water loss, you're affected, your, your business is inter- interrupted and you have um, a bad situation. However, your reputation, your patients, um, they, they might be a little bit, um, uh, you know, I would say uh, maybe at this point they can't make their appointment and they might have to maybe impatient. But the bottom line is that doctor's reputation is not going to be tarnished as it can be with the bad outcome of a, of a claim situation. Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's where you're, you know, you're, you know, risking your assets and things of that nature really don't need to malpractice insurance is not that expensive. And if so, yeah, it's not. And if somebody is a, is contracted with PPOs, they, they have to be because the PPOs won't contract with them if they don't have uh, uh, malpractice. So let, let's talk about the key. What are some of the key features? Uh, and, and I get, I, I, I don't spend a lot of time working with my clients on this because, A, I don't sell insurance. I don't have a license to sell insurance. And uh, all my clients, they have malpractice. We don't usually talk about it. But what are the key elements in a malpractice policy and, and maybe some mistakes that people make getting insurance from the wrong carrier or the, or the wrong people that don't know how to, what should be in there? Well, um, 
in, in not all companies offer both types of policies that are available. There's what's called claims made coverage as most are probably aware of. And then there's also occurrence and then that, you know, evolves into, you know, what, what are those? Yeah. yeah, Let's talk about the differences. Yeah. Well, if you like, okay. um, We can talk about that right now with claims made coverage is, is triggered to respond to a, a claim when the claim is made. So, you will have a, the inception of policy whenever that coverage begins. So let's say a doctor comes out of uh, dental school in, in 1999 and they're still practicing today and they started with a claims made policy. Their, their retroactive date began in 1999 and they're covered uh, up to today's date uh, for any claims that occur. But the limits of coverage, if you have, which is typically 1 million, 3 million in liability, 1 million per claim, 3 million aggregate, that those limits are covering for all of those years. But I will say that it's last five years that doctors really need to worry about their exposure. So if we focus in the last five years, you have 1 million three that covers all possible claims in those five years. Okay. Then conversely, an occurrence policy is designed to trigger a response to a claim when the incident occurs. So, um, you could have um, an insurance company for the first five years of your practice, and it's a, uh, on an occurrence-type basis. And then after five years, you jo- go to another company and pick up a, no- a new occurrence policy with them. Well, if you had a claim with the, um, in the first five years, that would go back to the first company you had. Right. And then thereafter, you would go to the new company. Whereas claims made, it's whoever you're with at the time. What what are most policies written as these days? Well, you know, starting in, starting about the early eighties, there was a malpractice crisis at that time. They used to be mostly all occurrence and then the industry changed and insurance companies brought on, um, a claims made coverage. And the, the reason, you know, the reason for it was that it was more, you know, financially sound for the, the, comp- the carriers to do that. Um, they, they, they carry less risk. Again, you only have 1 million, 3 million covering multiple years. Whereas the occurrence, you, every, each year you're getting a set of limits for each and every year that you renew and pay for a policy. So one I like to say is like leasing coverage. The other is you know, owning, owning like and buying a new car each year. Okay. So you, you don't, do, do you talk to the doctors and say, well, Dr. A would be better with occurrence, but Dr. B would be better with claims made or, or how, how does that work? Well, that's the trick. Um, I get that question all the time. I'll have a doctor that comes to me that has a claims made policy. They've been practicing 10, 15 years and they, they're interested. Well, can I also have an occurrence uh, quote? Um, well, we can offer a quote, but then the feasibility for them to transition from the claims made to the occurrence becomes the question, because what's what's needed with the claims made policy is is uh, and I'm sure most most of the dentists listening to this have heard is what's called uh, the nickname is tail coverage, which is an extended reporting endorsement, and that uh, if a policy a claims made policy ends, and ideally you want it to end at retirement or um, it, that's the ideal. They work the whole career. Then you get that tail coverage at the end. And usually it's free with most companies to get that tail coverage when you re- fully retire. Um, but 
if you if you're trying to change policy types in mid midway in your career, you would have there'd have to be a, the purchase of the tail coverage to be placed on the claims made policy so that you can start fresh with an occurrence right. policy. Otherwise you leave yourself completely exposed because if there's no endorsement on a policy, then uh, a claim cannot be made. That, that's the danger when doctors on their claims made policies neglect to pay the premium and it's canceled and they find out six months later, those insurance carriers, most of our competitors, they all will say, well, sorry, sorry, that happened. We'll start a new coverage for you. And then they're, you know, they, if they were 10 years with the company, they, they just now have a gap, a 10 year gap of coverage. And if there's a claim, they're up the Creek without a paddle. Yes, sir. Oh dear. We don't, we, we don't like that. So what, what are some of the biggest mistakes? I mean, I'm sure that you get a call every once in a while from someone who's got a nine one one crisis. Ah, uh, this patient is really mad. I'm being sued. I don't know if my coverage is good. I've never really trusted my agent. Obviously, not you. Um, what are some of the mistakes you see when you look at other policies and other coverages from other dentists? Well, you know, a cheap price is not always the the best way to go. There's usually those are, sometimes could be a sign of maybe lack of coverage of a policy. Uh, what's real important is that a, a doctor, as we I said, you know, it's their name, reputation, should also have the ability uh, to uh, make decisions in the, in, in the claim process, meaning that what we call pure consent to settle. And that, that's, a, that's a very strong element. If you have pure consent to settle, then um, there's no case that can be settled on the doctor's behalf or decided by the insurance co- company. In, in that claim. Now, some companies, very few, have um, unreasonable consent clauses that they can override the doctor. They have peer review. They uh, have the worst case would be like a hammer clause. And the hammer clause simply means that if the insurance carrier has decided on the case that it can be settled for X amount and that, that you, the doctor, believes, no, I, I don't, I, I didn't do anything wrong. This was all done right. Uh, everything was within the standard of care. Uh, I, I want to go to, I want my day in court on this case. Well, then the company can come back and say, well, okay, doctor, well, here we can, we've nego- negotiated. We believe this is what's to settle for. If it exceeds that, you can be subject to, um, you know, the, the, the ex- anything additional that's paid out as an award and also uh, legal expense. Yeah. It's now, the same way. Yeah. It is out there. It's the same way in accountants malpractice. I is suppose it's probably the same way in, in attorney's malpractice. Yeah, I mean, uh, the insurance company, and, and I've seen that. <laughs> Doctors just, you know, they're standing by their morals, and I didn't do anything wrong. And, and you know what? It, it's When you're a professional person, whether you're an accountant, an attorney, uh, a physician, a dentist, I mean, you're dealing with hundreds, probably thousands of people. Uh, if you never get sued in your life, consider yourself, like, blessed and watched over by uh, – uh, by a higher power, but, but it happens. I mean, you know, it, it's, we're human beings and, you know, some people don't like the way their teeth look and they're going to take it out on you. Cause you happen to be that person that day. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's really important to have uh, this kind of coverage. So. Um, well, you're right. You're, you're right. Art, Cause it's, you're, you just said it. We're human beings, but your patient is, hum- is a human being. And 
I, I, if you have a new patient that just comes in, uh, and you've had for three months and you know, a year, a couple of years go by, you don't know that person when you have these new uh, patients record, you don't really know them and, and things can happen and, uh, go sideways very easily because we're all, we're humans. We're all dealing with humans. It's just, it's just, that's life. And I, I've had a couple of clients that I'm, obviously I'm not going to get into details because, uh, it's a very small world that I live in and that you live in, Rich, and working with Dennis. But um, uh, there were, uh, I know here in Orange County, there were uh, two or three dentists who sadly had uh, had patients die on them, children, and it was in the news. And, you know, th- these things happen. Uh, so it, it, it's important to be covered. So, all right. So let's say that you have a patient. My One of my clients has a patient and they're just not happy. And they want a refund, or they're even threatening uh, the threatening. I mean, what what should a dentist do? What kind of protective measures should they take? Well, I would hope with their company that they have they have a risk management um, services, consultant services, and it's real important that they they have that available to their policy. Uh, typically, typically when they do. That group is autonomous from the claims people and sales of the the insurance company. And their job is to help the doctors and guide them um, with the situations. And it can be with things of dealing like with an an adverse event or outcome, managing patient dental records, navigating treatment. Like let's say when a child uh, custody is involved, you know, you have two parents and trying to deal with who's in who has authority to, to um, approve procedures done on a child, uh, when to refer to a specialist, or, or like you said, dealing with a disgruntled patient, or uh, worse yet, maybe managing a, a non-compliant patient uh, in treatment. So they're important to go to and, and to reach out to um, when, when you have situations like that. Yeah, to get it. I mean, obviously, um, you have, uh, it's the cavalry. They're, they're going to say, you're going to come and say, I have the situation. And, and documentation. Talk about documentation for a minute, Rich. I, I know that dentists get busy and they don't finish their charts and they don't, you know, put down notes. How, how important is documentation in this whole process? Well, it, it becomes very important in the, in the in, if, if there were a claim. Um, you, yeah, you want to document and have it, it in detail. And I'm not a records expert, but I can tell you what a doctor um, needs to have, like if, it, if, if a claim was presented to a doctor, if I guess that's, we're kind of leading towards, um, right. One of the, what the insured should do is they want to make sure they collect all the pertinent patient records concerning the claimant and make, maintain them in a separate and you know, secure location. Keep core. They want to keep uh, correspondence and communications. Um, any, any of them, uh, keep correspondence and any other communications from your attorney or your insurance company in a file separate from the patient chart. So those should be not in with the chart separate. And then ask the defense counsel questions. If you have any, um, any, any questions that are unclear about the proceedings and assist your attorney. It's important for them to assist the attorney because um, they, they will be the best source of information. And um, it, it's, it's very vital in the defense. And, but there's also things that are that they shouldn't do. Um, they should not discuss their case with anyone other than the appointed defense counsel or the claim specialist. 
They, they shouldn't you know, not change any or discard, otherwise alter any you know, oh, patient records. I've heard that a couple of times. Needs to yeah. be intact. Yeah. Um, do not mail, email, or fax the patient records regarding the claim to anyone other than the uh, attorney or claim specialist who, who's working with you. And um, again, don't rely solely on your uh, attorney in the case. You want to, again, still participate uh, to be effective in, in those successful tents. Yeah. Now, sometimes patients will ask for records. I, I don't want to, what I just told you to neglect the fact that patients may ask for charts and, and they are, uh, patients are by law obligated to receive from the doctor, not the original records, of course, charts, but copies of, but again, I go back to the risk management consultants should be contacted first before anything's done. And then there is also, um, they can advise on, uh, when those records are signed off and uh, release records to sign, to be, be signed that they've uh, received and handed those off and, and so on. I mean, Rich, I, I've, been, I've been an expert witness. Obviously, I'm not qualified to be an expert witness in a dental malpractice lawsuit, but I have been an expert witness probably 15 times uh, in business lawsuits. And when the opposing counsel sends you a request for documents, uh, it's voluminous. <laughs> That's a big word for me, voluminous. Uh, but, it, I mean, they are asking for every email, every correspondence, every fax, every every piece of record, and you're required. You can't, like, say, oh, oh no, no, there's an email there that's going to really, yeah, that, that I'm going to be guilty if, if they see this. You, you can't hide that. I mean, that's, bad things happen to you. So it, 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 documentation is, uh, is really critical. Hey, before we go any further, we're about about halfway through. Let's let's, um, folks. It is so important that you work with dental specialists. I harp on this every single week. I don't care if you're talking about a dental CPA, a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs. I don't care if you're talking about a dental specific attorney, um, a, a consultant, a contractor, or in this particular case, someone like Rich Walton, who's um, a dental specific specialist in the area of. Uh, malpractice and workers' comp. Uh, so, you know, again, you, you it, malpractice insurance is not very expensive, but when you get sued, it is scarier than you know what, and you want to make sure you're covered. So, Rich, do me a favor. Give out your contact information, and, and even if, you know, I'm sure that no obligation, if someone just has a, a pending problem or something, I'm sure you'd be willing to talk to them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, happy to. So give out your contact um, our, information. Yeah, our our office number here, uh, I have a, a toll-free number, and we cover broadly in Arizona, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, and all of California, is 800-928-0431. And, um, I, our, you know, I, I have a specific um, web address, medprodentist.com. Okay, MedProDentist.com. Yeah, we represent MedPro Group, and that, that links to there. And I'll say we have on our, our site um, risk management strategies, informed consent, uh, informed consent forms uh, that, that are available for doctors to access if they, if they so like to help them. And again, folks, go ahead and go on, a, go ahead and go on our website, uh, www.hmwccpa.com. Go to resources, go to the podcast link, and uh, uh, probably late September, Rich's uh, 
uh, Rich's podcast will be up there with all of his contact information or, or obviously call call our office at, like I say, 714-259-0505 and we'll, we'll get that for you. So Rich, now, how, now can an owner dentist be sued for the acts of one of his or her associates uh, if they have their own malpractice? So how does that work? I mean, the, the senior doctor, the owner doctor has uh, insurance. The associate doctor has How does that work? If the associate yeah, that's a good question. Um, oftentimes, I, I the common thing I hear from doctor owners is that, well, I, I don't really need to worry about my corporation entity. They, these doctors who work here in the office, they have their own insurance. And um, yeah, that's true. They have their own insurance, but the name insured on the policy for each of those doctors that are working in the doctor's office is, is those respective doctors. So, um, on in, in insurance, name, the name insured is who the insurance policy is re- contracted to defend. So, in an owner doctor's office, with with respect to malpractice, the policy designed to defend the doctor, and actually coverage is best when um, when when it, it's a sole proprietor because they can only really be engaged in a claim as if they were involved in treatment of the, of the patient. Whereas when you have an entity, um, if that entity is paying an associate doctor to do work in your practice, then what we call vicarious liability can be charged against, um, the entity that's paying that doctor in that, in that practice. So even if the owners never touched the patient, his, his corporation is exposed to allegations. Now, unless, unless maybe the, um, the the dentist working there additional insures the corporation um, that well that gets inside kind of a little bit of minutia there trying to have that done not all companies will endorse uh, an insurance policy to name a corporation and if you have a specialist that's going into different offices like a periodontist or an oral surgeon they're not going to make those kind of requests of their insurance company for each office so the the best way to cover a corporation is to have a corporate policy, uh, a corporate policy that would cover um, the, the staff and and cover the vicarious liability allegations of those uh, other dentists working there. And then the then the doctor, um, he or she has uh, their personal policy that takes care of them and their actions, and a corporate policy that takes care of everything else. It it typically only runs about ten percent of of a of a standard policy, but of course it'd be rated on based on how many doctors are working in the practice, but that's the, that's the best way. And, and yet, yes, uh, claims like that happen often. Now, now are there, let's talk about, I know an insurance that, that uh, you can buy uh, malpractice insurance that includes legal fee coverage and doesn't include legal fee coverage. Do you have the choice in uh, dental malpractice? I'm sorry, I didn't quite understand. I mean, so, legal fee. So, so I, I know. I like to say I, I'm just comparing it to my malpractice policy that I had when I was for the 33 years I owned my own practice. I had a choice of buying a policy that had a lower premium, but I would pay my own legal fees if there were a claim, versus a policy where the insurance company would pay my legal fees. Um, do they have that in dentistry at all? Yeah, no, the, the, the malpractice policies all cover the, um, cover, cover your, uh, legal, ex- the legal fees for the attorneys, the companies, uh, the companies we represent, 
that cost is outside of your limits of coverage. So with a 1 million, 3 million, if you have a claim, you could have, you know, let's say you said, you mentioned the debt, let's say a million dollars paid out and there's another 500,000 that was paid out in legal expense. Well, that would be on the insurance carrier to cover. Um, the, there, now, when we have some doctors that we insure that have had bad claim experiences and they don't qualify in what's called the admitted programs in the state of California or other states, um, is it, it's pretty much the same along the line that if you have like a sub, severity claim or frequency of claims, um, the, these rates are filed with in the admitted program, so they don't qualify to be in the program with with those companies. Well, we have to then go to surplus line companies. All the surplus line companies, almost every case, um, will only offer coverage where the defense is inside the limits. Uh-huh. So you could end up consuming all of your, what might be an award to a patient, and also the legal expense. And then they, um, they also have deductibles in those policies as well. And then whatever the ex- legal expense is, is also charged back al- along with the deductible as well. What, what, deductible. What's the average deductible in, a, in your basic dental malpractice policy? Is there one? Well, in our preferred programs, there is, there is no deductible um, with the two companies that we offer. However, um, we do have some competitors, a few competitors. They're, they're admitted programs, but they offer the incentive of, of um, giving discounts if you accept the deductible. There's some that offer a waiver, if you, a discount for a waiver of your rights for settling claims. Um, so th- those are out there. I guess kind of the question is then when they do that, are they really solid for your defense? When they, they say they're going to give you pure consent in making your decisions, are they really believers in that? You know, if, if they're offering alternatives by give, giving discount incentives. But those are inferior yeah. companies, Rich, and we don't want our, our listeners to deal with them. <laughs> they should only be dealing with you. Yeah. Uh, any, anything else about malpractice? Because I want to hit on a couple of other policies. Anything else that the listeners should know about a a malpractice policy that they should be uh, an aha moment. They call their call their carrier tomorrow, call their agent tomorrow, or do we pretty much hit all the high low, high, high yeah, notes? I think we, I, yeah, I think we we hit on some of the main things that come up all the time. Um, again, I, I go back to you know always, always make sure that you keep your your payments up to date. I wish most of our doctors would set everything up on the auto pay. Um, um, that would be nice. It doesn't happen. It doesn't always happen because, but, um, you know, you, you, you want to make sure it's, it's the one coverage you really cannot afford to lapse in. Yep. If you have like your office insurance policy and you forget to pay for, uh, and you realize you're out of insurance for three months, well, you're only out for three months. Right. And, uh, and, and that's the beauty of occurrence policy for malpractice. If you have a, a advising, if there's anybody out there that is talking to a young doctor, that's just starting out, strongly encourage them to have those doctors coming out of dental school to always look and procure the occurrence policy first. Because you never, you never know what life's going to bring you. The worst case scenario is if you, if you already have an occurrence policy, let's say you have an adverse claim and you, you're non-renewed by the company you're with, but you had occurrence, well, you don't have to buy that tail coverage. That tail coverage usually is 150, 180, 200% of the expiring base premium. So that's several thousand dollars is where doctors get hung up is that they're leaving because of the claim. They end up with 
paying, um, you know, several thousand dollars to buy that tail coverage to protect them for the past with the old company. And then they're outlaying usually a large premium amount for the new company, uh, all, all at the same time. So, so you can make big mistakes if you don't have someone navigating you through this uh, maze here. So let's get into some other coverages. Talk a little bit about workers comp. I, is a workers' comp policy a workers' comp policy? Can you get it from anybody? I know there's a lot. You said there's earlier there's lots of companies, but what are some of the things in, in getting a workers' comp policy that that someone should really pay attention to? Well, um, the, in California, it's required, and the maximum coverage you can purchase is one million for death, disability, disease. Um, then the only way you can increase coverage in work comp is if you have an umbrella or excess liability policy. And typically those are sold over maybe the business owners, the workers comp. And if you, if you have an auto business, auto liability, you can, um, the umbrella can layer over those. Um, are there good companies or some companies better than others? Yes. Uh, You want to make certain that you, are working with a um, financially sound company. That's uh, there's a there's a rating out there called AM Best. Right. And um, all of our companies are either a, are A rated or higher. Um, so that that's important. And uh, you want to you want a company that has a good claims handling. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you the, probably the thing to talk about with uh, the doctors because as um, most doctors, dentists that I know. You know, they, they really like to focus on practice and, and uh, some of them really like the business side of it, but maybe I would say most don't. And one thing they get in, in um, uh, there, there was a, a law that took place starting January of 2017, as you probably know, Art, where now um, if you have a, a stock corporation, you have to have an officer waiver form now signed and submitted into the company and, and, and it needs to be kept on record. Whereas before we used to just have to identify and list them on an application if they were a corporate officer. So, so what if they don't have one of those? Well, if it's not on record with the insurance carrier, then at the audit time, the companies have to charge for the, for your pay payroll as the officer, um, owner dentist of that corporate oh so they yeah because you you don't generally have the the owner dentist generally their salary is not included but if they don't have that waiver they have to include them in there yeah they have to include them and the companies are cannot even uh they're not even allowed to you know if we sign the waiver after the fact uh they they're not allowed to enforce that waiver as an exclusion until they can only start it when the date of when it was signed and submitted in. So if you go halfway through the year, you could have six months where you're paying the officer wage for the doctor. And then the other six, you would have it waived. We, we've pretty much have gone through it. We've had so many where the, the communication went directly out from the insurance carrier to the company. And we as brokers didn't have any really clue as who's returned those forms back. We had a lot of doctors ignoring it. It was, it was quite an ordeal and uh, dealing with the audits. But that's one part of it. The, the biggest part is always make sure you respond to the audits because um, when they don't, then the companies, because Workers' Comp Bureau requires, a, they have a timeline, I believe it's like 120 days from the expiration of the policy term, they must submit the audit. And if it's not submitted, 
then the company, to, they have to meet that deadline. They have to then do what's called an estimated audit. And there's a lot of discretion there with the, the companies on what they might estimate. Each company does a little bit differently. We've had some go take the payroll they were given and up at 300%. Wow. And, and, then, and then they get a bill for it. The good news is it can be fixed. It can be amended by simply completing the audit. But again, that's a lot of time uh, consumed for the, for the, the doctor and doing that. And it's first, it's scary because if you don't respond and don't see it, then a, a collection notices can possibly be sent out if, if um, no response or payment is made on that audit that they've estimated. So that, that's my, my biggest tip for, the, <laughs> for all doctors is please complete your audits, please. Right. And, and now I've seen, again, we do accounting for you know, a couple hundred uh, dental practices where they, they'll do it on QuickBooks or we'll do it for them or a combination of both. And um, I, I see some offices are paying a couple thousand dollars a year in, uh, in workers' comp. I see other offices paying eight, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand. I mean, it's 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 a percentage of payroll, right? Yeah, it is. And it, it years ago there was most companies were providing for dental. Could in in dental there's one class code um, for 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 the uh, whole office. So that includes uh, front office, uh, your RDAs, uh, your dental hygienist, your dentist. Everybody's is classified together. Class code eighty eight thirty nine. Okay. And they they uh, they charge it all as one. Um, what's different now that was you know several years ago is that the state now is chopped up into by territories, almost zip codes. So your rate in L.A. County, I have to say, and close and all around L.A. County is going to be high in the, the Bay Area up in um, San Francisco. It's going to be a little high. And then you, as you move out, the rates go down. It's cheaper in Orange County, where, like where you're at, Art, and even a little cheaper in San Diego. So it just depends. Each company is different. So, um, you know, we have to take our best companies and shop it to get the best rate. And, we, you know, it, it's, it's a different companies in different areas. Um, and, so, and, and there's lots of options out there, but someone who knows not only where to get you the best rate, but someone who, who knows about these waiver forms that we're talking about. I mean, that, that can get really expensive, it sounds like. Um, but, uh, you know, so th- that's important. I want, I want to hit a couple other things before our time runs out, Rich. You're, you're a wealth of information. I'm very appreciative for, your, for, for sharing this with our listeners um, employee practices liability policies. So uh, this is this gets into um, uh, wrongful termination, sexual harassment, race discrimination, age discrimination. I I've told a story on this podcast where uh, a dentist called me and said that they were doing an interview with a prospective employee, uh, and the the employee shut the door and basically said, "Write me a check for twenty thousand dollars." And, and the dentist said, what? And, he, and the, 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 the woman said, your word against mine. Now, I don't know if that's covered in one of these because uh, maybe they're not an employee, but um, employees can sue for lots of different reasons. So talk about how important this, this policy is. Yeah, it, it's very important for, for just 
that reason. Um, though I've never heard of somebody walking in on an interview doing that. Art, that's nope, a, that's I did. A new one. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and by the way, the, the the he called his attorney, and his attorney said, "Write the check." And let's get the um, uh, the waiver over to her so she doesn't sue you anymore. And he wow. wrote the check for twenty thousand dollars. It was terrible. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that is. yeah. Well, um, it's it's not easy to get the coverage. You know, um, it was available like on a monoline basis. We were writing it for pretty reasonable. You have to do an application. Monoline coverage is still uh, available. You know, that would be you know a single policy just covering employment practice liability. Um, there's only a couple companies that will also do wage and hour. Uh, uh, that's, that's hard to get, but we do have uh, several companies and more coming on board now that are offering um, coverage within the business owner's policy package, the, which, you know, we, we've narrowed down companies that offer um, coverages tailored more towards the dental offices. Um, they have some, some have express endorsements for medical dental and so on. Um, typically we can go anywhere from 25,000, a couple of companies up to 500,000 of the employment practice liability coverage. And it is important to have, uh, my personal belief is the more coverage that's out there with insurance companies, the better this is going to get in uh, over time um, with these type of practices in California, especially uh, it's a very litigious. Um, you could have somebody that, you know, um, you have the right to terminate for non-performance um, in, in this state. And, but typically what happens is as soon as you do that, they walk out. Um, then you have a workers' comp claim, employment practice liability claim. They say we're discriminated. They didn't get paid for their breaks. Uh, and uh, all kinds of issues come up and they have attorneys representing them coming in because they believe everyone's just going to settle and, and it's a quick, it's a quick take. Uh, I'm not saying that everybody's out there, but, but that so often happens. And we've had a couple of stories go through here, our, through our, our agency. You, you got a good one. You got a good story. I, I had one doctor that he had two, um, Two in a, a break, uh, his uh, uh, staff that were in a break room. I guess they didn't. There was a few of them didn't quite get along with this this one young lady, and they got in an argument. And there was a cold cup of coffee um, that was uh, was actually thrown across the room towards the woman. Didn't hit her. Went hit the wall. That was all fine. Um, they they called she they called in the paramedics. She she one called in said she was hit but she wasn't struck. Everyone's saw it wasn't struck um this continued she ended up getting terminated with a fighting they, they terminated her and she came back with the workers comp claims with the um the issues of being struck with the cup and then um i guess the on social media that came up um she was seen later i guess out and about you know she had all these back issues and claims but she was on a, one of those uh, mechanical bulls Oh. Riding around and, and no. you know, the staff had collected all that and provided it. But in the end, this went on for like two years. Uh, she got a little bit of money and a little bit of medical expense, but a lot of time and a lot of wasted time went, went on and on and on to no avail. And I, I don't know, 
she, I believe she collected some, you know, unemployment out of it and some other things, but things can go sideways very, very, very easy. It's probably, it's probably a good idea for, for, and again, I'm not a, I'm not a human resource person, but I think you'd want to investigate before hiring uh, anyone looking into maybe do at least a uh, little bit of background check and, and to see the, the type of employee that's coming in, make sure there's no issues if it can be found. That's hard to do when you have, if, if you have somebody that's, that has, you know, gone from office to office and maybe filed these type of claims. That's hard to do, but it, it does happen. Oh, we've seen and it. I, I've seen, I've seen employees where my doctors will tell me we interviewed Susie and I, I, again, I apologize to anybody named Susie. I always pick on Susie when I give an example. So Susie comes and, and Susie has a history of going from doctor to doctor. And uh, sometimes it's embezzlement, but sometimes it, it's this type of a claim. And, um, uh, you know, you just have to be so careful. The other thing, doctors, and, and this is just basic, and, I, and I've got some some folks that I know that just uh, my my late mother, God bless you, Cynthia, my mother, uh, she would say some people abuse the privilege of being stupid. They really do. And, uh, folks, we are in a litigious society. You know, you have an employee who's been with you for 20 years, and they did a good job, and you put your arm around and, or you give them a hug. They could sue you for that. You, you tell a joke that you think is not a big deal, um, and, and you use an, an ethnic slur or, or something. You get sued for that. I mean, you've just got to be so careful. Isn't that right, Rich? Yeah, absolutely. You have to. I mean, you have, you have to be you, very careful. You have to be. Uh, got a couple minutes. Let's touch on you. Have uh, you also deal in um, uh, cyber cyber liability? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the more and more is you know then that relates to um, HIPAA violations because if you have uh, any incident where where your data information is is out there. Um, and exposed, uh, you have some responsibility at that point. Now, um, you you can uh, procure that kind of coverage in your um, in your like in a business owner's policy or separately. Um, you know, it depends on how broad. In, in a small dental office, um, you mainly you want to take a look at the number of chart records you have and to to estimate what the cost would be because, you know, you're responsible for notification, notifying um, all affected, you know, persons. But uh, things can happen, you know, uh, unauthorized access, maybe possibly uh, a reception desk that maybe has, I would say most cases, all the information that's out there uh, that doctors have, they might have on a server or they're using a a web-based System and, and Art, you and I were talking the other day. You mentioned about that breach, and I really cannot remember the name of the company, but it's a large dental, a large, um, you know, med- uh, dental management system that they got locked out, and so that's a problem. Uh, maybe not necessarily a, a breach of the information of patient records, but no accessibility to those records. So those type of things, cyber liability coverage is good to have um, for the network security. Um, you, you'll, you'll need a need it for credit, credit monitoring. Any information you have that's privy to your patients is, is an exposure. So anybody, so, so folks, you're starting a practice from scratch. 
you're buying a practice for the first time. Because when you buy a practice, I sell dental practices, Rich, and, and what happens is is that the the, the seller will say, well, these are the, these are the insurances I have. Well, that doctor might not have all the necessary insurances. So it would be a really, really good idea for someone to contact someone like you who not only, you know, you don't just sell one type, you, you sell all the different types that they need and you certainly give them choices and some people listen and some people don't, but um, working with a specialist like yourself is, is, is important. We, we didn't really talk about the business owners like the, uh, uh, the, the fire theft and all that stuff. A couple of tips on, on what they should look for on that policy. You, you, you do that too, right? Yeah. Yes. And, um, within that, you you know, the idea there, they, some call it a fire policy. Yes. It'll cover things like fire or water damage. Um, what's really important though, because in dental offices, these, the newer technology you have there, you have a huge investment in the equipment in your, your, uh, x-ray machines. If you, uh, are making your own, um, dental appliances and so on and things of that nature. Um, you could have a lot of money invested in your equipment. And also uh, when you're leasing the property, um, the, if you're doing build outs, uh, in, into the, uh, the, you know, creating those custom offertories and the plumbing that goes into it. Um, there's a, there's a huge investment or what's called tenant better improvement, betterment and improvements, which are typically, if you look at your lease agreement, um, are the responsibility of the leasee. So if there were a fire and everything is, is lost, um, you need to rebuild all that. So your business personal property or contents coverage needs to meet uh, what's called the replacement cost. And replacement cost also means if you have a, let's say you've been in practice for 15 years and a chair you bought 15 years ago was $5,000. The new one today is a $12,000 chair or 15 or $20,000 chair. Well, then you would need to look at having your limits of coverage to accommodate the replacement cost of a, of a like for like newer model, so to speak. But um, loss of business income is very important um, as well. Uh, it's not to be confused with business overhead, which is a, a disability type coverage. If you're not able to practice, that's something you should speak to your um, your life or disability agent. But on the on business on um, on business loss of business income, your practice is shut down. There's coverage for that and extra expense to move your operations possibly into another sublet office so that you can uh, see and treat your patients. So those those are. Those are very important to have. And Rich, I have acted for many dentists, probably 10, where there have been a fire or a flood, and they'll come to me and say, Art, based on the fact that you're a dental-specific CPA, uh, can you work with the insurance company and show them what my lost profits were? And then we get into the production report. So, uh, you know, Rich... Uh, and you know, we've talked about this. It, it, obviously, if you ever need somebody who has a dentist as a fire or a flood or uh, something, uh, and they they need some calculations of lost profits, I, I I do some really cool spreadsheets. As do all of our members of the Academy of Dental CPAs. So that that that's really important too. Another reason to have a dental CPA. Um, well, I, I have I have to say that's you're you're so right. And I ever I refer to a couple of to you that when that's you did. happened you and did that's, and that is that's true because the dental specialty is different and unique in how um, the practice operates 
it's not the same model as, you know, the business next door, that's a shoe store. Right. Um, and so, and so you, you have to have it just the same as, um, I were, where if somebody needs advice of an attorney, you want it to be somebody who is who is, is, has knowledge of dental practices and, and, you know, if they handle the malpractice, typically our attorneys also that, that we work with our companies work with, uh, they, they handle, um, the malpractice, they know how to deal with board issues. And, you know, sometimes you need above and beyond, um, for other things and, and yeah. it's good to keep in touch with those well, types. Well, Rich, this has been great information. We're unfortunately at the end of our time of the podcast. One more time, give out your information. Folks, if you need someone, so you should just call Rich and just say, Rich, these are the insurance policies I have. You send him the policies, he'll look at them and, and he'll give you an honest answer one way or the other. You've got a good policy or we need to tweak this or whatever. One more time, Rich, give out your contact information, please. Okay. My, our phone number here is 800-928-0431. And the best way to reach us uh, to our website is to simply remember medprodentist.com. Okay. Rich, thank you so much. Great, great information, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for the privilege of your time and listening to our podcast. I, I'm very hopeful the information like what Rich gave us today, is helpful to you. Um, If you're looking for a dental-specific CPA in Southern California, my number is 714-259-0505. Email me at artwiederman at gmail.com. Go to our website. You can see all the podcasts, www.hmwccpa.com. Go to the resources tab. Go to the podcast link, and you'll find them all there. Uh, again, riches uh, will be posted up on the internet uh, right around the 1st of October and uh, of 2019. Uh, and if you're looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States, www.adcpa.org. Please go call your local member of the Academy of Dental CPAs. Rich Walton, thank you so much for your time and your great expertise. I love working with you, and whenever I get the chance... Um, I, I do send my clients over, although most of them, I, I don't get too many phone calls. You and I have talked about this where, Art, can you refer me to somebody who can help me with malpractice insurance? They, they, they normally, um, they have somebody, they talk to their classmates, but when I do get the opportunity, Rich is my guy. So Rich, thank you so much. Thank you, Art. Good night. All right, Rich. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this episode of The Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman CPA. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.